Hello, welcome to Routines and Ruts, the podcast about daily rhythms and the inevitable stumbles we encounter in our lives. I'm your host, Madeline Dorr, and I spent many years asking people how they do what they do, and have recently bundled all of the insights into my very first book called I Didn't Do the Thing Today. Earlier this week, I celebrated publication day, and this means that the book can now be found on shelves in Australia, the UK, and New Zealand, and from Tuesday the 11th of January, you'll be able to find it in bookstores in the US and Canada. It's an interesting time to release a book, or actually, more accurately, it's an interesting time for anything. I was in between some media interviews, and I was in a moment of navel-gazing, and I was reflecting on the different hopes that I'd had for this publication day. I was thinking a book party, champagne, people. But then I was thinking about how I'm far from alone. It's a really muddled time and a daunting time for many. Maybe you're feeling untethered as we enter the third year of a pandemic. We're facing ambiguities, frustrations, and seeing the many, many things that are outside our control. We've had plans upended for the day, for the week, for the year. We're all in this collective not quite sure. So really, it was a timely reminder for me, for the very central question I explored in this book, which is, if so much of how our day unfolds is outside our control, why is it that we berate ourselves for not quite getting through our to-do list? Why do we make that the measure of a successful day? Maybe we didn't do the thing today because we had to wait in line for a test or help someone who is unwell. Our days unfold differently to how we expect each and every day. And so my hope is that this book helps people take away the self-judgment and embrace the messiness. If you've been listening along to this season, you'll know that I've been answering your productivity guilt quandaries in the lead up to the launch of the book. And now for this week, I thought I'd answer my own (laughs) Because there's a lot of feelings that come up when you put a book out into the world. Each day, I've almost felt every emotion. And as I've said before, the answers we are looking for are often inside us. So I thought I'd put a question to myself and see how I go. But before I do, I wanted to share my routine and the rut of the week. So my routine of the week, if we go back to last week's episode where I spoke about the false promises of resolutions, I mentioned that it can be really helpful to simply hold a word for the year. And so I thought I would share how I've approached picking or settling on a word year after year. For me, I often do a reflection on the year that's passed and I think about how the word that I might have chosen how that guided the year. For 2021, the word was merely, and the idea of that was to help with feelings of perfectionism that I can encounter. I knew that my task was to write the book, I didn't do the thing today, and there was going to be many challenges and hurdles to overcome with the the writing process. And so if I told myself to merely do the work, it helped to make it right-sized, bite-sized and take it day by day, step by step. And so I reflected on what I might want to take into the year ahead. Uh, What lessons do I want to carry or what do I want to deepen? And the word that came to me was actually practice. But to really settle on a word, 
I like to give it a few days. I like to see whether I start to encounter that word in things that I'm reading or conversations that I'm having. And interestingly, it came up in a book that I'm rereading. It's Women Who Run With The Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. And I read this probably seven years ago, and it was a catalyst for starting my project Extraordinary Routines in the first instance. So it's quite fitting that I'm rereading it as my book comes out, uh, which is the culmination of that very project. And the book is just covered in my markings from seven years ago, me. <laughs> and the singular word practice is underlined. And I thought that, that that's it. That's me settling on the word. But also what Clarissa has to say was so beautifully put. She's speaking about how often we need to relearn lessons over and over. She writes here, it comes down to one thing, practice. It comes down to going home and step by step implementing what we know as often as necessary and for as long as possible or forever, whichever comes first. And so that's my word of the year. Practice is a way to invite more of what I want into my life regularly. As Aristotle put it, for the things we have to learn before we can do them, we learn by doing them. So I want to practice being the person I want to be, to practice doing the things I would regret not doing, to practice flirting, to practice writing, to practice detaching, to return to things I'm out of practice with, and to keep practicing everything I've learned. I want to build a practice. I want my life to be my practice. So let me know if you settle on a word and how you got there. You can always reach out to me via Instagram at extraordinary underscore routines. But also my rut of the week. Again, last week I spoke about how resolutions are a decision to do or not to do something. And I was saying that this within this decision is this promise of change. And often it's those promises that we can stumble over, especially when it comes to New Year's resolutions. So I spoke about how often it's more about finding the energy behind an action. And I wanted to share something that, that has helped me find that energy to take the action, especially when it comes to the things I don't want to do. And that is simply having a declaration. So for example, at the moment, I'm not drinking. And instead of having this proliferation of reasons why and having to potentially deal with a wrestle in my mind about whether to have a drink or not, I simply declare that I don't drink. I say to myself that I'm not someone who drinks. And so that's not what I do. And then it's just that little moment of pause that can remind you of the thing that you don't want to do and maybe why. And it becomes more of a declaration to yourself rather than a promise. And it can help fuel the action or precedes the action. I don't drink. And that precedes the actual drinking. So then you don't drink. It's not what you do. So I thought that little sentence applied to whatever it might be that you don't want to do, or maybe what you do want to do, you could flip it, might be helpful for you as well. Next week, I'm keen to answer your specific questions on writing. So be it about the book writing process or general writing questions. So you can head to madelinedor.com slash ask to submit a question or find me again on Instagram at extraordinary underscore routines to send me a message directly with your writing quandaries. Now, on to this week's question from me. <laughs> Dear Madeline, I just released my first book 
and it's both daunting and exciting. It's been a dream for many years, and I've poured many hundreds of hours of research, writing, collecting, and finding themes into its creation. I'm proud of the accomplishment, but now that it's real, that it's out in the world, I'm also nervous. My mind cycles through many what-ifs, and there's so much emphasis on books doing well in the very first week of sales, so it's difficult to decipher if it's all enough. I'm comparing myself to other people's books, other people's success, and feel like I'm on a roller coaster of ups and downs. Simply, what's your advice for addressing self-doubt when putting something into the world? Madeline, <laughs> isn't it a funny thing that wherever you go, there you are. You can publish a book, you can accomplish a dream, and there will be your shadow of self-doubt following you about. <laughs> We still bring our doubts with us. And that's because we're human. We worry, we get nervous, we compare ourselves, we experience contradictory emotions, we feel excited and proud all at once. So my advice for you, or me, <laughs> isn't so much about addressing self-doubt when putting something into the world, but rather advice that shares parallel lessons with advice for living. In that vein, I've compiled 10 reminders for yourself for this moment you're in, but also for your life. Reminder number one, check your expectations. There's a difference between having standards for something, so say writing the book and the research that you put into that, versus expectations for how that thing will be received once it's in the world. And I think that goes for so many things in our lives. We can put so much expectation, so much pressure on one thing, one conversation, one moment, one accomplishment, one goal, but it's just that one goal. And there's so much around it that is also enriching. So your book doesn't have to be defined by its first week of sales. It's defined by everything else around it, how it shapes the people that read it, that need it. And one underscore of something that resonates and fits for somebody. And I think that that's what we can broaden. We can check our expectations or the pressure we're putting on one thing and make it a little wider, make it more encompassing, deepen it, expand it. Reminder number two is to be curious. The book is now out in the world. And so there's so much that's not controllable about that. And the same is said for anything we put into the world. When we put ourselves into the world, so much of that is an uncontrollable thing. We don't know what will blindside us. We don't know what surprises we'll encounter. We don't know what curveballs there will be. And I think we see that in this time more crystallized than ever. And so, as I said last week, often the best we can do is wait and see and bring curiosity to that. Instead of having this rigid plan or these rigid expectations, we can simply be curious with the unfolding of it all, we can wait and see. Reminder number three, everything is a bonus. This is a really lovely philosophy, I think, to apply even just to our days. What if we woke up in the morning and we said to ourselves, this is a bonus, this day, this day is a bonus. We kind of forget that each minute, hour, day is a bonus to ourselves. So I think that it's important to relish the surprises and as you speak about in your book to be endeared by life why don't we make our favorite part of the day or our favorite part of our lives the part about not knowing what will happen next 
rather than worrying about what will happen next or not quite knowing or feeling like we should figure it all out. It's not very figureoutable. Instead, it's all just a bonus. Reminder number four is to embrace the curveballs. There's going to be imperfections. There's going to be disappointments. There's going to be blunders with anything that you put out into the world. With any any living, there's going to be blunders. And yet, as much as at the time when we're wrestling with the problem, we wouldn't wish it on ourselves. They make for the interesting lessons. If everything was just a smooth ride with no bumps... It would be rather boring (laughs) and not even just boring, but it just wouldn't be as enriching to our experiences. We wouldn't be as full of depth. We wouldn't have as much empathy. We wouldn't be able to connect and relate to each other as much if we didn't experience the curveballs. It's, It's what actually allows us to connect to a shared humanity. And so I think that something that's been really helpful is to remember that when we do encounter these imperfections and blunders and disappointments and problems, is to try to heal with humour. So to try to find a way to laugh or to hold something lightly or to not take yourself so seriously with it. Something wonderful I heard is that you can take the work seriously, but you don't have to take yourself seriously. And I think that's a wonderful lesson for life's curveballs is that you can show up to the problems, you can grow with them, you can pay attention to them, you can be curious, but you don't have to take yourself so seriously in it all. Reminder number five is to use comparison as a guide. I know that you are comparing yourself to people right now, Madeline. And yes, comparison can be the thief of joy. But as you speak about in your own book, it can also lead to your secret joy. It can be a guide. So in those moments of comparison, try to take note of what it is that you're comparing yourself to and how can you perhaps have that experience in your own day and or bring more of whatever it is that you envy into your life. So use it as a secret joy rather than a thief of your joy. Reminder number six is to create your own ballast. So when you put something out into the world, when you're living in the world, there's going to be criticism, whether that's criticism of the thing that you've done or whether that's just simply that people aren't always going to like you. It's an inevitability of life. Yet if we worry about what people think of us or if we put our worth in what other people think of us, then we can be really knocked about by the waves of what people think. You get a compliment one moment and you feel like you're surfing that wave and then you get an insult and you feel like you're completely tumbling through the ocean. And so if you look externally for validation, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to feel steady. You'll forever be rocked by people's affirmations or their criticisms. So what you need is the ballast that steadies the boat And that ballast is having your own sense of self-worth so you're not so attached to the highs or disappointed by the lows. Create your own ballast, your own sense of enough. Reminder number seven is that no one thing defines you. In the example of your book in particular, it's the culmination of a project that you poured time and attention into for years. It's the wrapping up of that project, but it's also the beginning it's, it's the start of something completely new. And that's life. We keep cycling through these endings, these finishings, these wrapping ups. And then at that very moment of finishing, we meet the start of something new. So 
Remember that this one thing doesn't define you because we're not defined by one thing. We're continuously creating and we're continuously moving through something. So remember that you're free to do the next thing. And this is a nice segue into reminder number eight, which is that we never arrive. (laughs) If we pin our happiness or our sense of achievement or success to accomplishing this one thing, then because this is a cycle, we're never going to find ourselves settled on this one thing. If you think of it even more like an ascent, a staircase, once you take one step, you see that there's more ahead of you. (laughs) So allow me to read you your own book. (laughs) As you write in the chapter on the shifting goalposts of ambition, just because we will never really arrive doesn't mean we can't take a moment to reflect on and celebrate our successes along the way. Sometimes we need to direct our sense of achievement onto our lives right here and not our ambitions for the future. We can celebrate each step, reveling in the small things. We can also look back and see how far we've come rather than worry about where we might be going. Reminder number nine, be patient. Allow things to take the time they take, including how something's received in the world, including what the next thing might be, including cycling through emotions, including whatever it is you need to do in your day. As Mary Oliver said, things take the time they take. Don't worry. Reminder number 10. Remember, success is enjoying whatever you set out to do. If success is enjoying whatever you set out to do, then you can just make the most of the experience. This experience, this day, you can get the good of every bit of it. You can use this experience. Again, even if you encounter problems or blunders, you can use that. You can look at that for the lesson. Neil Gaiman, in his commencement speech, Make Good Art, talks about the best advice he ever received. And it was from the writer Stephen King, who told him to enjoy the experience, the success But as Neil talks about, he didn't. He ignored the advice and instead he worried about it. As he put it, I worried about the next deadline, the next idea, the next story. There wasn't a moment for the next 14 or 15 years that I wasn't writing something in my head or wondering about it. And I didn't stop and look around and go, this is really fun. I wish I'd enjoyed it more. It's been an amazing ride. But there were parts of the ride I missed because I was too worried about the things going wrong and what came next to enjoy the bit I was on. That was the hardest lesson for me, I think, to let go and enjoy the ride because the ride takes you to some remarkable and unexpected places. So, Madeline, that's what I want you to remember, for us to remember, for all of you to remember, to be curious allow for surprises, embrace imperfections, use this experience, be patient, and remember to enjoy the ride. Thank you for listening to this episode of Routines and Ruts. If you'd like more of my thoughts on navigating the stumbles of productivity guilt, you can find them in my book on a bookshelf in a store. The chapters delve further into these ideas of ambition and perfectionism and routine and and so much more. So I think you'll get a lot out of it and I'm really looking forward to hearing what does resonate. You'll find a link in the show notes to get a copy of the book along with a link to where you can ask questions to be considered for an upcoming episode. Again, I hope next week can be all about the writing process. So if you prefer to ask a question via Instagram, you can go and find me at extraordinary underscore routines. Talk soon.
And until then, I hope you remember that there's more to the days than what we do or don't do. So we may as well find a way to enjoy it. <laughs>